Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you by it you speak the truth so that we might know you. We thank you that through it we know what your plan for this world is, a plan which will never change and can never be thwarted. And so as we study your word tonight and as we look at this passage in Acts, would you help us to understand so that we might know what your plan of salvation is more and we might see what our place in it is too. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Over this past week, we've been sorting out some stuff as we prepare to get ready for moving. And I found this this book, which is actually a journal that I kept when I did my physio-medical elective. When I was a physio, I went to Nepal and spent a couple of months there working in a hospital there. So it's been quite fun to read as I've gone through this, how I couldn't sleep. I described some of the physio tests we used. It was rather boring. I also describe how I had an embarrassing moment when I went to church for the first week. I didn't realise that in Nepal men and ladies sit on different sides of the church. And so I just went in and sat down. And then somebody said to me, you're on the ladies' side. And so I had to go across. I even wrote that I read 200 pages of a John Grisham novel in one day. Now I tell you that because as I came to Acts chapter 1 and read this passage, I kind of thought... What do you make of this passage? Why has Luke written about this choosing of Matthias? It seems so random in some ways. It seems like an aside. It seems mundane. It doesn't seem to be the really exciting things that you see as we go on in Acts, as the Holy Spirit comes, and then as the apostles preach, and then as the gospel starts to spread around the whole world. In some ways, you come to Acts chapter 1, verses 12 to 26, and you think, this just seems a little mundane. And as you, whenever you come to the Bible and you think that, uh, you have to work a bit harder. And there's often something there which is actually really important for us. And as you ask yourself the question, why did Luke, the man who carefully investigated things, the man who thought very hard about what to include as he recorded things, why did he think it was so necessary to include these verses? Why did he write this for us? What did he think was so important about this that people right the way through church history would need to know this about the plan of God's salvation? Well, as we go through, I think there's two things which come up, two things which Luke says are necessary. Firstly, we see that it was necessary for Scripture to be fulfilled about Judas. And secondly, it was necessary for a new witness to be chosen. Now look first at the first necessity in verses 15 to 20. And the point here is, for us, don't doubt it was necessary for Judas to betray Jesus. Now if you were counting as we read through the passage, and as those names were read in verse 13, you will have realized that 11 names were read. And yet Jesus, when he appointed the apostles, appointed 12 apostles. If you read back in Acts chapter 6, you will see that. In Acts 6, Jesus is opposed and he's being rejected by the Jewish religious establishment. Those who were considered rulers had turned away from Jesus and rejected him. And in Luke 6 then, Jesus appoints 
12 men to be his apostles, he calls them. And it was a provocative move because 12 was a very significant number. There were 12 tribes of Israel and Jesus was now appointing 12 leaders of his new kingdom. And in some ways, replacing the old tribes of Israel, these 12 leaders, very significant. In Luke 22, you read that these 12 apostles were to sit on thrones and judge the 12 tribes of Israel. And yet, when you get to Acts 1, there's only 11 names read. And you see, the number was really significant because there was meant to be 12. 12 to replace the 12 tribes of Israel. Now there are only 11, all because Judas betrayed the Lord Jesus. And you see, I think Luke writes this for us, partly because we might think, did Jesus make a mistake? Did Jesus do something wrong back in Acts 6 when he included Judas among these 12 new figures, these foundational figures, these really significant men? Judas was among them. Did Jesus make a mistake? Well, look at how Peter speaks about what happens in verse 16. You see what he says there? Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David concerning Judas. Do you see what Peter is saying there? The scripture had to be fulfilled. There was a necessity for the scripture to be fulfilled about Judas. You see, it was a necessity because the scripture was what God had spoken in the words of the Bible in the Old Testament through the Holy Spirit by the mouth of David. So what happened with Judas had to happen because it was written in the Old Testament. And the Old Testament expresses God's plan of salvation. And if God says this is what was going to happen, then it was a necessity that it actually did happen. It's a necessity of God's plan working itself out as things went on and on. God's plan for all eternity being worked out in history. And so it was necessary for Judas to do what he did. And that word was the word that the Holy Spirit spoke through the mouth of David. And it was concerning Judas. Judas who betrayed Jesus. As we read there, Judas who kills himself. And where a field was then bought and became known as the field of blood. A place or a field that was desolate. A place where no one would live again. You see, and then the word which David spoke about Judas is there in verse 20. For, Peter said, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in it. You see, Peter quotes this psalm of David, words spoken by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of David. Now the verse comes from Psalm 69. You'll see that if you look in the footnotes of the Bibles in the pews. And in Psalm 69, King David, the anointed king of the Lord, is surrounded by enemies and people who betray him. And those who betray him are even those whom he calls his friends, his closest people around him. They betray him. And as the psalm relates that experience of king of God's king, David, we read it and we know that actually the real true king that it was speaking of was the Lord Jesus. 
You see, David's experiences were shadow of what God's true King Jesus would really come to experience and undergo. And so the scripture had to be fulfilled. That Jesus would be betrayed by a friend and then that friend's place would be left desolate. Which is exactly what happens in verse 19. The place was called a place of blood and so would have been abandoned. You see, we don't need to uh, doubt as we come and think, did Jesus make a mistake? Well, no, he didn't. It was necessary for Judas to be such a close friend, one who betrayed Jesus. Something which happened because it was God's plan of salvation for the world. But there's more in this uh, passage. The second uh, thing which we see was necessary. There's more to God's plan. And then second necessity is that there was a necessity to choose a new witness. And we see this in verses 21 to the end, or starting in verse 20, really. And again, this is a necessity because it is written in Scripture. It fulfills God's plan. Now, this time, at the end of verse 20, Peter quotes from Psalm 109. <clears throat> you see the second quotation, it says, May another take his place of leadership. Now, as Judas as his place was deserted, so another needed to take that place. That's what Peter says in verse 21. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. It was necessary that another was chosen to take Judas' place with the other eleven. This was part of God's plan. God's plan revealed in the Old Testament and as Jesus came. And so another needed to come and to take the twelfth place. And you see, that's what exactly what happens in verse 26, as the lot falls on Matthias. And right at the end of verse 26, we see this said, they cast lots and the lot fell to Matthias, so he was added to the 11 apostles. You see, remember the 12 apostles were really significant. And now there is 12 again. The 12 were a picture there, heads of God's new community, heads of a new community which would extend beyond the borders of Jerusalem, beyond the borders of Judea, right to the ends of the earth. And what we see in Acts is the gospel extending right towards the ends of the earth. And what we see right here is that these 12 have a foundational role in that. The twelve have a foundational role. You see, the book of Acts shows this global advance of the good news of Jesus. And as the gospel advances globally, twelve apostles were needed. Not stronger than that, actually, it's twelve were required. It was a necessity. They are foundational, irreplaceable men upon whom all the growth of the gospel around the world is founded. And so they chose Matthias to add to their number. Now we even see how foundational they are when we get to the end of the Bible. If you, if you get right through to the end of Revelation, you see um, the, John has a vision of heaven, a vision of the new Jerusalem. And he sees walls in the new Jerusalem. And on those walls in this new creation, in the place where Christians will dwell with God forever, are the 12 names of the apostles. You see, so foundational are their 12 names are written into that new creation. 
In the book of Ephesians, we read that the whole church is founded on Christ as the cornerstone and the apostles as the foundations. And 12 are required. And so we see from these verses, the apostles have a foundational role in God's plan. But the apostles also have an essential qualification. An essential qualification. Do you see that there? Peter tells us what the qualifications for being an apostle are, and it's very important. And it's why the point is why it was necessary for choosing a new witness. You see, verse 21. Therefore, it is necessary to choose from one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. And so Peter says they needed a man who had seen everything Jesus had done, he'd been with them the whole time. Verse 22 shows what that means. It means being there at the baptism of John to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. Right from the baptism when John came, preparing the way for Jesus, right the way through to the ascension of Jesus, he was taken up to heaven. To be an apostle meant that they needed to have observed, to seen all of that happen, all of Jesus' life, all of Jesus' ministry. They needed to have seen John's baptism and heard Jesus' teaching and watched his actions and seen him right the way through his ministry up to his crucifixion to see him in his resurrected glory and to see him ascended into heaven. You see, the essential qualification is they needed to see it all. But in saying that, I think Peter is saying something more as well. You see, turn back to chapter 24 of the book of Luke. So let's back a few pages. So Luke chapter 24, page 1062, right at the end of, of Luke. At this point in Luke, the, the apostles have seen Jesus crucified. And now we, and we've had reports that Jesus has been resurrected gloriously back from the dead, as we've been thinking about uh, tonight. A number of people then see Jesus resurrected from the dead, and Jesus explains the truth about what's happened. So he appears to the, the woman at the tomb, and then he appears to men, two men on the road to Emmaus. And finally, he appears to the 11 apostles and those gathered with them. So you see that in verse 33. So the men from Emmaus got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those assembled together, and those with them assembled together, and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke bread. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. You see, the, the eleven and those with them then see Jesus as well. They see the resurrected Jesus. And then the significant thing comes in verses 44 and 45. Jesus said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. You see, at this point, Jesus then gives them an ability to understand the scriptures, to understand God's plan of salvation. 
to understand everything that the Old Testament spoke and put that alongside everything that they had seen so they could understand exactly what was happening. And after opening their minds, he says, verse 46, this is what is written, the Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Now in those verses, Jesus speaks about what has happened. The Christ will suffer and will rise from the dead. And then what will happen in the future, that repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. But see the significant thing here. The apostles both saw everything But then they were also given a verbal interpretation by the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus opened their minds so they could understand the scripture, so they could know it. They are verbally instructed in the interpretation of what they've seen. I don't know if you've ever um, been to a rugby match. I've I've often uh, gone to rugby match, and sometimes I've gone to a rugby match with someone who has no idea of what the rules are about rugby. You might be uh, one of those people. And when you go with somebody who's got no idea what's going on in the game, they see the whole game, but it is meaningless to them. People are running around the pitches, there's big mounds of people in the middle, and they all get up and run somewhere else, and there's another big mound, and, and then everybody cheers because somebody's done something over the line, and they don't know anything was happening. You see, what they need is for me to stand alongside them and explain what's going on explain the rules, tell them what the rules are and what's happening. And so then that starts to make sense of everything that they see. What's that? A poor illustration in some ways. But that's the same thing that happened for the apostles. They had seen everything that Jesus had done. But then Jesus opens up their minds to understand the whole of the Old Testament. He will then give them his spirit so that he can remind them of everything he had taught them so that they both have seen everything and then they've been verbally instructed by the Lord Jesus. And Matthias needed to have that essential qualification. And just as an aside, can you see how unique the role of the apostles actually is? To have seen everything that Jesus had done, to receive that verbal interpretation It's something only people who had been there at the time could have done. They were foundational figures. And they needed to have that essential qualification of seeing everything, of having the verbal interpretation because of their unique task. Flick back across to Acts 1 and we'll see this. Acts 1 and verse 22. Do you see at the end of 22, why did they need to have this essential qualification? It is, for one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. They must become a witness with us of his resurrection. Now, as the apostle, the one that they appointed as they became an apostle, they would need to take the gospel message to the ends of the earth to become a witness to the resurrection, to speak of the glorious news that we heard last week that the Lord Jesus rose from the dead. 
They were going to go around the world proclaiming that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, that he is God's anointed king, the one who was not abandoned to the grave, the one who rose from the dead and is able to save us from the wrath to come. They were to be witnesses. And just see then how unique that role was. I wonder whether sometimes like me, you you use the language of saying we were witnessing to somebody. So we speak about evangelizing or evangelism or an opportunity to speak with someone about the Lord Jesus. And then we will say that we were witnessing or got an opportunity to witness. Or sometimes we will talk about the quality of our Christian life as being a witness. No, I did it the other day. My brother was telling about someone he knew who was not really living a consistent Christian life and actually were damaging their walk with the Lord. And I said, it's also just such a bad witness. But can you see that that's not the kind of language when it talks about witness it's speaking about here. Being a witness is not something that we do because we are not witnesses of the resurrection. The apostles were the one who were witnesses. And over these coming weeks, as we look at, uh, through the book of Acts at the witnesses and the witnesses of the apostles, we will see that time and again. You see, we have not seen everything uh, that Jesus has done. We are not witnesses in that way. I remember watching a, a film, it's quite an old film now, starring Harrison Ford called, called Witness. Some of you might have seen it. It was about an Amish boy who'd gone to the big uh, city and while he's uh, gone to the toilet, he witnesses a murder. Now, he sees it through the, the crack in the door and he is the only one who's seen it. He's seen who's done it. He was the only one who was a witness to that fact. In the same way, the apostles were the witnesses because they had actually seen everything that had happened. They had seen the resurrection They had received the instruction from the Lord. They could understand it all. You see, we are not witnesses in that way. But these verses are then meant to encourage us because we have people who are witnesses. And these people took that message with everything that they had seen. They took it around the world. They proclaimed that faithfully for decades after. They spoke truthfully of everything they had seen and the gospel message then spread round the world. The gospel message which we now have in the scriptures as they have written for us. You see, they had the unique task of witnessing. Their role is foundational for us. And so our response should be to hold the apostles in high regard. Remember that they were the ones who were appointed according to God's plan to be witnesses for us, to speak of the truth of the resurrection. And that's what they faithfully did. You see, the apostles are foundational in the formation of the church, but can I say they're also foundational in the formation of our own faith. You see, we come to know the Lord Jesus as we testify to the truth of what they have said and what they have done. And that's what happens to us is people have taught us the gospel, the word of truth in all its fullness. As somebody has taught us of the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus because of the apostles' message which spread round the world. And so that we can know that it's true that Jesus is alive that we can have sins forgiven, that we can have hope of eternal life. And so we hold the apostles in the highest possible regard 
and we hold to their teaching. Well, as I close, let me say, though, if we don't witness, what do we do? Well, we testify. We testify to the truth of what the apostles have shown. We proclaim the eyewitness testimony of the apostles. We take what they saw and what they have said and we tell other people of it. We repeat the apostolic gospel to all those around us, which is what we do in so many different ways. We do it Sunday by Sunday as we come together and as we have preaching right at the heart, preaching from the the scriptures so that we might know and might see and might understand all the foundational truth of the scriptures. It's why we run Christianity Explored. Because it takes people to the gospel of Mark, to the, uh, the authorized, authoritative work from God about the gospel so that people can understand and can see all that Jesus has done. You might want to sign up for it if you've never done it. It's why many of our students are using a material called Uncover with their friends. Uncover really is just a set of Bible study notes. They they sit down in a coffee shop and they read one-to-one with their friends and they can come to see what it is Christians believe, the truth of the gospel as they come to the witnesses of the resurrection. And it's what we do day by day as we interact with friends and family and work colleagues as we testify to the truth of the gospel. You know, I think it's why Paul Williams' book, this book Intentional, has been so helpful, I think, for me as I read it. Because what Paul says in this book is, when we speak to people about Jesus, the best thing we can do is to open up the Bible with them and show them what Jesus says. Take them to the words of Jesus that the apostles have recorded for us so that they can see the truth of all that he has done. See, we take them there because they are the witnesses and we testify to the truth of that. And so we should be encouraged tonight, encouraged as we see these verses in Acts 1, it was necessary for Matthias to be appointed as a witness, as the twelfth witness to the truth of the resurrection. As we see God's plan working itself out, God's plan which will never be thwarted or failed as we see the witnesses to the resurrection for us so that we might have confidence in the truth of the gospel, that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, that it's all true, and that we can have hope of eternal life with him, of sins forgiven, as we come to know the Lord Jesus through their truth. Well, let me pray for us. Father God, we thank you for your plan of salvation which will never uh, change and which is never thwarted. We thank you that everything that you plan comes to pass. And we pray that we would trust in that and that we would uh, trust in, therefore, the truth of the witnesses, those that you chose to be your, um, your 12 apostles, to proclaim the truth of the gospel so that we might know the truth that the Lord Jesus died and rose again, and so we might trust in him, putting our trust in him for our life and for our death and for the world to come. And Father, would you help us to do that? And would you help us to testify to the truth that the witnesses have written for us? And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.